Dark, a podcast about the CW's Riverdale that's invited you out on a double date. I'm Alex. When you spend enough time walking in the shadows of Riverdale, the pep getting all over you, it changes you. It makes you shy away from your relationships and want to have sex with a car, apparently, because that's <laughs> what everyone's doing in this episode. I'm Justin. American Graffiti. I'm Pete. And we are going to be, thanks Pete, talking about Riverdale Season 7, Episode 10. Really shaking it up at the end here, I gotta say. I love it. Chapter 127, American Graffiti. Now, of course, we're going to get into spoilers for a second. But first, bit of a recap of what you need to know. All of the characters on Riverdale are back in the 1950s. And we got a couple of different trains running at this point. Reggie <laughs> is newly moved in from out of town. He's on the basketball team. He's living with Archie. It was awfully sweet on Betty, and Reggie is not exactly sweet on Veronica, but Veronica is sweet on him, though she did mess it up in the last episode by prioritizing yeah. the business. She owns and runs a movie theater after school, I guess, uh, called The Babylonium. She uh, thinks about it during school. It's a great project. Exactly, uh, exactly. I did the same thing. I, run, I ran a multiplex after school in high school. Anyway, <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> uh, so that's what's going on with him. Uh, with Veronica, yeah, she's going after Reggie, and Betty is going after Archie. That's the main stuff that you need to know this episode. Though Betty also has been grappling with a bunch of issues. Well, they've both been grappling with issues with their parents, uh, but Betty in particular has been wrestling with her sexuality and figuring out her sexuality. Archie has been part of that, so they have been kept part for a while uh, also so that Archie can get his grades up his main parental figure as Barry seems to be missing for the most part is Uncle Frank, Uncle Frank not around who's a lawyer in the big city hair, even crazier hair this episode I gotta say Justin I thought of you does it Frank look is... like he has a ripoff it looks like a ripoff sweater you know what I mean yeah. like a second is just gonna you know that fits exactly with what I was gonna say I think he's becoming a Ken doll yeah. He's slowly <laughs> transforming. All his clothes come off with Velcro. He's yeah. no genitals at all. He's just smooth, smooth plastic. That's what my Frank theory. It's a tie-in with the Barbie movie. I'm telling you, that's oh, a theory. Man. Already that's the pushing new the Barbie movie. Okay, that's all the right, new dude. cat briefcase. Is Frank's a cat? <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, over on the Shoney side of things, Cheryl and Tony have decided to try again after a little bit of a hiccup in their relationship. They are together. Tony has set up the Black Athena Book Club, which we find out a lot more about in this episode. It is exactly what it sounds like. It is a club for the students in Riverdale High to discuss works by Black authors. And Cheryl, as we see over the course of this episode... As long as the discussion doesn't get too out of hand, they got they have yeah, well, someone the monitoring the plot line them. that we're dealing with here is that Cheryl and Tony are both trying to have lives on their own while they're together, which is very different than how we saw them in previous seasons, which I'm 
which we'll talk about in a moment. Uh, Kevin and Clay are together as well. That's important to know. They're a little bit minimized in this episode, but they still play into it. And Junkhead Jones has struck up a friendship slash flirtation with Tabitha Tate, mm. who's back in town after her tour with Mrs. Till, Emmett Till's mother, around the country. Uh, she is back, and she gets sucked into Jughead's part of the plot line. We had the teaser at the end of the last episode where Sheriff Keller, a professional police sheriff, needed to have a teenager to come in and help him solve what's going on with the death of Jughead's mentor, Brad Rayberry, a science fiction author who also worked at Pep Comics. We know that Brad was killed by an evil milkman, most That's likely. Right. Well, we don't know. He could be a reg what? regular milkman. No, no. Right. Regu sure. regular milkman. No, regular, regular milkman, milkman. Brad, lactose intolerant, dies of it. As I, well, I think in the 50s, if I've re re read the history correctly, regular milkmen could murder like once a month. Like mm -hmm. they could, they could kill every treat. now and as again. As a treat. Yeah. Because it would, think about your life. You're delivering milk. That's not great. Plus everyone's we, mad because the milk's warm. Great? What, do you want to be a milkman? I'm just saying it's a it's a profession. You're bringing people something they need, and they're like, "Hey, thank you for bringing me milk." And you're like, "You know, bring well, something it's they my gotta job. choke down every day." Yeah, I'm, oh, I, I say anti milk. Oh my god, where, where are the milkmen now, Pete? Where are the milkmen now? <laughs> That's a great question. And that's all of the stuff going on in Riverdale. But before we get into the episode, there's something that I wanted to talk about here up mm. front. We are taping this today on Thursday, June 1st. This is the final month of filming for Riverdale, the TV show. Ooh. We are starting to get not the main cast members, but uh, there was a post by Zoe de Grand Maison, plays Evelyn Everdever, who was like, yeah. take my last flight home from the Riverdale set. Molly Ringwald did the same thing. We're going to start getting a lot more of those things. I believe yesterday or the day before, they had the final cast read for the final episode, which I think is called a Goodbye Riverdale, if I'm getting the name correct, written by Riverdale Casa. <laughs> of course. Tracks. Yeah, there you go. And there's a lot of like, Lily Reinhardt posted a still from the end that said end of series that she had grabbed from the script. So it's all happening. I legitimately am starting to feel emotional about this show ending and this cast saying goodbye. I, I was curious to hear how you guys are feeling. Uh, well, I, I, my thoughts are on sort of in, on two tracks. One, yeah, it is sad. The idea that it this is a finite thing. I know it's something very present in Pete's mind for a lot of the season. I haven't really been feeling it until you see them actually being like, no, we are done and it's going away. So that is uh, emotional. It's making me excited to get to the finale and knowing that we're going to get to see it because the other track I've been thinking on is with the writer strike happening and the probable SAG strike, they're literally going to get this done right under the gun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like the SAG strikes at the end of June and they're going to finish this shooting, fingers crossed, barely in time to get it all done before they wow. would have to stop and the season would probably be prematurely ended. So that is amazing. It's the ultimate Riverdale like race against time to get things done. <laughs> well, and let me throw this out at you. We've talked on, on a lot of the different podcasts we do about the writer strike and Justin being in production, you know, this a little bit as better. a line producer. As a line producer. No, but uh, so no. production is wrapping. 
on June 23rd, unless they need some sort of extension. This has happened in previous seasons where they've had to go over a day or two with shooting. So entirely possible that might be happening. Um, you just touched on this, but if the, if the not writer strike, if the Screen Actors Guild strike and the Director's Guild strike happens, those potentially, those contracts run out on June 30th. So they still do have a little bit of time there to finish the actual shooting of episodes. Let's say sake of argument, June 23rd, they do actually finish everything. They still got a week there before the strike happens. Then the strike happens. We still have episodes coming out until August 23rd. What potentially gets stopped at that point? Do they still need to do ADR at that point, potentially, for episodes? Are there other things that potentially couldn't happen if that triple strike does happen? I don't think so with uh, the, for the, taking them in reverse order, the Director's Guild, which may or may not strike negotiations are still happening. Um, they haven't done a strike authorization uh, vote. Uh, I'm in the DGA as well, so I uh, am, am apprised of that situation. They, um, their work is done. Director, once production stops, director's out of the picture. Um, you are right, ADR, which is like um, adding lines, voiceover after the fact. This show is heavy voiceover. ADR is when you go back and add a line, sort of insert it to try to fix a scene or something, or if you change a line afterward. The trick with that is if they're changing a line that's technically writing, so they probably can't do that anyway. So any voiceover, I bet they'll just wrap up before the, the strike would go into play at the end of June. And um, the writers, like I said, obviously striking, so you can't really be changing anything, even though Roberto is uh, wrote this episode and he's the showrunner, he will no doubt be on set for the filming. He still cannot change any lines or that is um, a breach of the picket line. Yeah, I will say I was very happy to see his name on the script for the final episode. I've been saying this for seasons at this point, but he is so good at bringing out the themes of Riverdale in the clutch. Like we, we've talked about so many seasons here where it's like, uh, this is insanity for however many episodes. And at the end, you're like, oh, yeah, that brought it together somehow. That <laughs> So I, I feel very good and very excited about him writing the finale. Just in terms of the ADR thing, I will mention, and I think maybe I mentioned this back at the beginning of the writer strike, but I honestly don't remember if we talked about it on this podcast. But I have a director friend who was working on a show, and she was saying that, like, the days before the writer strike, the showrunner was just doing literally every single possibility they could think of of ADR lines, writing them in advance. So it yeah. seems like they were very well prepped for this. So there's an entirely possibility they have the script. They probably have options written out as well so that the writers potentially, uh, the actors could tackle them. A show like this where there are a lot of moving pieces and I feel like they do swap the order of things potentially in post-production and the edit. So like they probably will just, like you're saying, have those lines covered off. Like, oh, if we end up with this version where we do this scene A, B, and C in this order, we'll have that. If we switch it and do C, B, A, we'll make sure we have the lines to connect the scenes the way they needed to. So like, like I'm saying, like, like you're saying, this show has been running for seven seasons. It's professional. Uh, they are on top of everything. They know that everything in front of them i'm sure they're buttoned up yeah and to that end the one last thing that i'll mention another little goodbye that happened imperial mammoth who we had on the podcast who does the music uh, as of this taping yesterday they said they were doing their last recording session so it sounds like all the musical numbers are hopefully going to be locked up as well so wow. so sad it's all happening we still got several months in our time for the podcast so how many uh, apps left how many apps left? Ted more apps. By the way, I said it wrong in the last podcast. I think I threw out there 22. It's not 22. It's 20 episodes. So yeah. this is episode 10. Uh, 20 minus 10, Pete, is 10. So there Oh, don't 10. give me the 20 minus bullshit. Don't you fucked it up last that. time. I did. Yeah, you fucker. Up.
went to <laughs> Cornell and I can't add. All right, bro. <laughs> That's subtraction, but sure. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so uh, lots going on in this episode. I, I want to tackle something first, if I could. What do we think? The end of this episode and this whole episode is Reggie and Archie are sort of riding together. And we get a little conversation later on between them. The Archie-Jughead friendship sort of isn't a thing. They're not right. even at, at all connected. Archie and Reggie seem to be very tight. How do we feel about that? That feels very strange to me when so much of the show has been built around Archie and Jughead. Pete, how do you feel about this one? Well, I mean, it's it's fun. It's fun to see uh, them, you know, because Archie is kind of like prime goofball when he's with Reggie, and it's an, uh, it's a fun side that sometimes we don't get to see of Archie. So it's nice to have him have somebody as, you know, Reggie pointed out, Jughead's not going to geek out about cars and stuff with him. So sorry, I think his name is um, Soup Can. Yeah, uh, beef it, right? soup. It's beef soup. I think that was a reference probably to Soupet Jones, who is the identical smaller cousin of Jughead Jones in the comics, who we heavily speculated, or at least I heavily speculated, was going to be showing up, I believe, in season three or four, if I remember correctly. He yep. didn't, by the way, in case anybody's <laughs> Whoa, what a surprise. Let's not revisit any weird theories. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't have that kind of you know time. What we should do is real quick, just listen to every episode we've ever done of this podcast, write down all of our theories and... Uh, uh-oh. Say which ones have come true. Wow. I mean, I, I will say we work we, out the ratio. We've we've been we pretty had, good. We had a pretty good hit rate, I will say, but we also have said plenty of Did uh, we have a good hit rate? I think I think Justin was right about like two things. Okay, yeah. well I'll take it. It feels bigger in my mind. But yeah, again, I'm not, yeah. I'm not familiar with sports, but if you make one goal a season, that's pretty that's good. Not good. Right? Nope. That's good. I think right? they call nope. that a hat trick. I'm just saying Frank <laughs> is turning into a Ken, and now that's all I'll leave as my <laughs> prediction. I like this relationship because I like KJ Apa and Charles Melton clearly like them, like each other. I think I was definitely feeling this episode Jughead, even with he's with Tabitha, but he's very much been off on his own, which I think is like we talked about last podcast, I believe that's sort of part of the story, right? He is much more the outsider nerd than he was even in the beginning of the show in the yeah. season here. So why would he be friends with Archie? Who's a jock who hangs out with the basketball team all the time. It wouldn't necessarily happen. They know each other, but they don't really hang out with each other. Um, I want to see everybody together by the end of the season. I want to see oh, the whole yeah. gag together and everybody working together. Um, and I think I, they will. I want to get out of the 50s so we can maybe get some forward movement on some relationships. You know can I saying? throw something out at you and you're going to hate this, Pete? I, I think, agree with you. I think this is maybe my favorite season of the show ever. Oh, you oh, say I that so many you times. Say that. No. You say that so often. Dude. I do Don't say that so set. often. If you go yeah. back, you know what we should do is we should go back and listen to the podcast <laughs> and talk about... <laughs> Uh, but legitimately, like, on the relationship, on just, like, the purity of the characters, watching the act actors have fun with each other, um, obviously, like, there are things that are better probably about season one. If I went back and watched that right now, I'd be like, that statement I just made was very stupid. But at the same time, wow. I think we are actually getting to spend time with these characters and find out about them. Like we talked about a million times, they are not different characters. They're just different takes on the characters. They're still the same people. They're still the same actors. It's still the same setting. And like this is jumping over, but 
with Shoni, this is the first time we've seen Cheryl and Tony date and talk about things. In previous seasons, everything has been so hectic and insane and over the top that we haven't gotten to get those little nuanced moments where they just chat with each other about things. And I think it's this, to tie it back to the Reggie and Archie of all, I think it's the same thing with them. What I'm really enjoying about the relationship is just like, how do these two actors work together even more than how do these two characters work together, you know? Well, and I hear you on that. This is definitely the season with the most sort of confident swagger and like, let's get everything in, in a way that doesn't feel jam packed because they, I think this is, you're always thinking about the endings when you're on working on something like this. And so they've been building up and playing it out. And I think, you know, weirdly for the, the fact that characters are back in the fifties and younger, they're actually more mature in a way and able to like sort of self-identify and sort of find their core beliefs a bit faster uh, and we have don't have as much time spent on like random murders uh, so far, but I feel like we're going to get that way. Uh, well, what I thought you were going to say, Alex, because um, I agree, I do like the season. I feel like we're going to spend most of the rest of the season right where we are. I don't think we're going flashing forward till maybe even the last episode. Yeah, I agree. Don't with that say as well. that. Don't no, say I, that. I thought they don't were only going to go out half there. the season. They are still filming, as we talked about, for another 23-ish days at this point, and they're still in the 1950s. So if if they do jump forward, it's probably at this point just going to be the last episode. Uh, I'm very or maybe curious. even don't, almost like an do, epilogue. Do, yeah. You're just... Don't put and that Joy, out you, there, and, man. You know what it might not... be? Here, let me throw a theory out at you. And Pete, this is not to rile you up in any way, but what if like, we have 1950s the entire season? Like you're saying, there's an epilogue where their children look at their skeletons lying there decades later, and they're like, wow, would have loved to found out what happened to these people. And that's it. Well, well that's and the let end me say... <laughs> Just their skeletons. And it's yeah. clear whose skeletons is who because they still have their heads. Who's winning there, Zelvin? Who wins? Skeleton fans. <laughs> and the Riverdale becomes the Get town with, uh, with skulls. Yeah. Scalafans. Yeah. Uh, the town with skulls. Yeah. By the town. way, everybody should check out my Scalafans. There's some pretty spicy content down there. Yeah. Not to be con- uh, confused with Scalafans, which is my elephant skeleton <laughs> graveyard uh, that I've been working on. Uh, I, I think it's hard. I think it's hard to. The, the the more mature ideas they're dealing with, bigger themes, it's hard to then throw a time jump in the middle, you know, mm-hmm. to be like, hey, don't you dare. With- Riverdale has done so many insane things. Well, here, of I'll course, out that to past the Riverdale. structure that they have talked about nonstop, you know, we've talked about this. I, I think we talked with Roberto about this, if I remember correctly, but there was this thing that Greg Berlanti emphasized to him before the first season where Greg Berlanti said, hey, what you do is you don't wrap it up in the last episode because then you don't see the emotional fallout. You wrap it up in the second to last episode. And then you spend the last mm-hmm. episode dealing with emotionally whatever this conclusion does for the characters. That clearly made a big impression on Roberto Casa. He did that for the first season. They've done that for almost every season. There's been one or two seasons where it's actually wrapped up in the final episode. And I think that's worked fine as well. But I do think there's a chance that's what we're going to get here is we will get 1950s, Time jump Tabitha back in episode 19. They shift the timeline forward. And that last episode is the one where we spend 
in the timeline we have known and loved for six seasons, but we still get the emotional fallout of whatever it means that they've been in the 1950s for 19 episodes at this point. All right, enough speculation. Let's get into the episode already. Fine. Well, okay. Well, let me talk about this, actually, just sort of generally about the season then. And this is not speculation. Actually, this is speculation. I'm going to do this. Anyway. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, getting back to what I was saying about, like, uh, semi-jokingly about this being the best season, I wasn't joking. I'm not going to apologize. What, uh, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing right now. There are two Alexes involved. <laughs> Inside of fighting everybody. With each other. One of them is a sexy skeleton. The other is sexy. Shut up. Beast. What? Muscles. What? Get Muscles. to it. Get to okay. it. Can we get back and talk about milk for a second and whether we like drinking milk? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because here's the thing. The, uh, the, the, the fact that there are milkmen implies there are men for every different product we have in our home. Oh, man. There cheese are men? soda men, cheese men. Bread you men? You have your cucumber men. All of the men. <laughs> all of the important stuff. Do they all look as creepy as the milkman does Absolutely. when he's delivering at nighttime? They're carrying very specific okay. uh, things at nighttime. It's very weird. Purple stuff the, men. The way that they were planning D out men. the season, and this was really driven home to me by this episode, is they've been really meticulous in terms of the way they are plotting out the relationship arcs for the characters, and I really enjoy that in a way that it's clear where they're going about stuff, particularly halfway through the season, but we are slowly taking our time and building it together. Pete, I am talking about literally the episode right now. So, for example, as I was saying with Shoni... We have this move from, should we be together? Okay, let's be together. What does that mean? How do we work together as a couple? And that's what we're seeing in this episode. Do we need to be having the same lives at the same time and doing the same things? Or can we do separate things but still be together? And that's what they figure out here. And I thought that was great. Similarly, if we go over to the double date portion of the episode, we're getting this progression to Betty and Archie clearly like each other, but they're doing this great slow burn over the course of the season where yeah. they're these hiccups keep coming in the way and in this case cars cars well, reggie and archie bodying about cars, that's going to be my point veronica yes what no. what chemistry every time those two are together there is nothing archie would rather be looking out a window than be you know sitting across from the girl that he's supposed to be in love with Pete, I know you've been shipping Karchi for so long, which is Archie and his car, mm -hmm. uh, finally being together. And so, like, I this must be such a win for you that you have uh, Karchi finally coming true. Um, I tell you, and... it is. It is. There's a couple wins that I definitely want to talk about. Uh, one of them being that uh, Betty and Archie still. Uh, I don't see any chemistry ever. Yeah, the I, don't, I don't think thing... I don't think you have anything to worry about there. Besides good, good. every factor in the show pointing at that. But yeah, what do you, how do you feel about? They can say it as much as they want. As soon as you get them together, they're like, "Oh hi," uh, uh, and then it's and then there's no nothing. Anyways, how did you feel? How did you feel about Reggie? Which is Reggie and his vehicle getting together. Well, I think it's Bella, because Bella is Bella. gorgeous. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Bella was previously a haunted car, right? Looks That's like it. Funny. You know, and when you're working on a car, you got to make sure you get the ghosts out. <laughs> That's one of the first things you do. That's why yeah. Betty's there at the end of the episode to get the ghosts out. because She had a ghost wrench. She mm -hmm. had a ghost wrench in her hand at the end. But I tell you what, uh, Fangs and Midge has been glorious these uh, last uh, couple of episodes. I, I love the chemistry that they have. And uh, I'm, really, I'm really worried about where their relationship is headed and what's going to happen to them. But I think it's uh, – I really like what they're doing with it. And it's so uh, – it feels really nice every time they're together. It's interesting. The show seems to be sort of jumping around less, but we seem to be jumping around more when we discuss it because we're just very excited. But to maybe talk about Fangs and Midge real quick, they have like 
they're like married basically in a nice yeah. way they're having a baby um fangs walking around with his guitar for no oh, reason. oh yeah no no if you're the <laughs> guitar the guy episode. you you rock with the guitar <laughs> i love that that's a heavy it's, you carry your guitar to school also, where do you put your it's books worth it uh, I'll mention, it. so the plot line here is that he gets an opening gig for Richie Valens. You know, somebody on Tumblr pointed out to me, Richie Valens at this point in 1955 was 13 years old. So <laughs> doesn't really right. make sense. But I want to emphasize to everybody again, none of this, they are, per this is a feature. They are purposefully messing with the timeline and not caring. They're doing a wash of like 50s, 60s Americana and that's it. So I wouldn't worry about these sort of anachronisms too much. This has been true every season of the show it's always true it's always going to be true uh yes and he also rocking his serpent's jacket and it made me mm -hmm. think what's up with the serpents what are they are they just a merch line they, uh, in the they 50s were they were mainly t-shirts and jackets is Became how they started yeah, well, yeah they're, okay. they're a pretty rough gang if you remember back in the episode with the dance they were going to stand in the parking lot and throw eggs at people if mm -hmm. fags didn't get to play songs at the dance that's some pretty rough gang behavior yeah. i grew up in la and it was the same sort of thing with the bloods and the crips dude throw it dude no 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 you can't make that joke dude well here's no. the thing in, no. in a in a community centered around pops like eggs are really important because that's what you get in your well uh, speaking of pops yeah, what, what a guy give it away eggs. is it from some sort of creepy nighttime egg bed Oh yeah, the Eggman comes around. The Beatles sing about the Eggman. <laughs> hey, I I do want to point out that that moment with Reggie and Pops was really nice and and very cool of Pops to uh, give him not only a car but uh, you know Reggie was so happy he hugged him. I thought it was such an adorable moment. I know it's what that's the same ratio I work. When someone gives me a car, they get one hug, only one and only one hug, and that's what Reggie gives him right back. I thought it was, you know, this is the fifties, man. You know, they, how many they cars handshakes? Do you think? They upgraded to a hug. That was pretty cool. Upgrade. Um, how many uh, cars do you think Pops is sitting on? He's like, ah, it's just a leave behind. <laughs> like well, he has now that the dark room has moved to an entirely different location. He has all that space under Pops. That's yeah, a secret car garage. He's basically like Batman. Uh, yeah. yeah, like sort of a two pops, two furious situation where he's he got has a, a pop cave, a pop cave. <laughs> wow. That's wow. where cool. he keeps his cars and also his Funko Pops. Oh, <laughs> wow. Wow, the darkness yeah. of the pop cave. He has trophies from all of the villains he's vanquished, like, <laughs> like when like, someone wanted to buy the diner once. Mm -hmm. Like the burger meat man and the milk shake mix man. I don't know. How, do, how does one yeah. make milkshakes? <laughs> Wow. You don't know how to make a milkshake? It's right in the name. <laughs> <laughs> you don't just shake milk until, until it's a milkshake. Yeah, until it curds. Yes, you, you just no. drink the curds. Yum, curds. Uh, <laughs> I think we covered everything, right? All right. Yeah, we're nice good. Job. That's it for Riverdale After Dark. Now, uh, right. what else do we, There's other plot lines. Why don't we talk about the Jughead and Tabitha plot line? Because that was pretty emotional intense in the middle of everything that was going on. They are investigating the murder of Brad Rayberry together. They find out he has a secret wife who is black. They were driven apart by racism. It's obviously paralleling a lot of other things in the episode, the Black Athena Book Club, which we also haven't talked about, so we can't really wrap up yet, um, as well as, of course, Jughead and Tabitha's burgeoning relationship. Um, I thought this was great. I thought this was really well played and interesting. And Pete, I'll mention for you, but also for other Bughead shippers, there was a lot of consternation about like, oh man, investigating was Bughead's thing. What are we doing here? 
I think Jughead and Tabitha investigating, very different vibe than Jughead and Betty investigating. And I liked it as well in a different way. Yeah, it was, I kind of, uh, I had that emotional roller coaster with the Zep where it was like, I got worried um, that uh, Betty's just going to be in the garage um, with Archie and Reggie and um, uh, Tabitha's going to be out solving crimes with Jughead, which is sweet and it kind of, you know, is a nice kind of thing, but it's, it's tough because, you know, it ruins my ship that I'm pulling for. So yeah, it's kind of a, it's, I thought the show did a really great job with it. I thought it was very sweet and very touching. But yeah, the I, it was a little bit of uh, my heart or my hopes uh, breaking because I was like, oh, I was hoping that was going to be the key that got Betty back. Uh, He's slowly uh, so. coming around to Jabatha, Pete. I hear it in your voice deep down. Don't you beautiful. dare! Don't you dare! I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. Well, here's what to double down on what I was saying earlier. I think what worked about this is this plot line wasn't really about the investigation. It was about no. Jughead and Tabitha and the relationship no. and figuring out, even if they don't know what they mean to each other yet, what it would mean to each other and what would happen to each other if they tried to get together. So yeah. I thought that was really smartly constructed. It gave us information and it gave characters information about what's been going on, why maybe Brad Rayberry was murdered, or maybe it's just a crazy milkman who's killing people. I guess we don't know. Um, but it, at the same time, it got back to, like I was saying, overall for the season, there, it sucks that Aaron Westbrook has not been here and will continue to not be here for many episodes, but they're clearly spacing out and slowly building Jughead and Tabitha as, I think, frankly, another Ed game relationship here, but they're giving it time and they're exploring yeah. it, and that's what we got in this episode. Um, what's... Uh... It just seems like Tabitha is going through a lot just to be able to get someone to help her with the homework so she doesn't miss any assignments. Have you ever tried to get somebody to help you with your homework? It's a pain in the neck. Very hard. Well, and let me say, I think there's a little, the scene later in the episode is a little beyond her really needing to get her homework pages. Uh, That's the way they're going to stay in touch. Oh, yeah, the whole Uh, letters thing. It could be super sweet and and emotional. I think the, yeah, I'm, I'm super happy with you know, and you know, of course, I'm saying this is a white dude, but I think the kind of racial moments and the and the stuff with the kind of group discussing the books and and discussing bigger topics have uh, have been really uh, nice uh, throughout, and I think it's it's been really well done and kind of cool. So uh, I've I've been very much enjoying it. I agree, and I mean that we got to remember that's where the season sort of started in a very serious way, and to have this discourse on race pop up could be could be sort of a miss. It could feel like unearned. But I, I do think the way they've been able to sort of find it or land on it as a topic across plot lines in these different episodes is good. And it's being handled both from ex- an external issue to discuss, but also emotionally with all the characters um, that we're seeing here. And and I agree, it's handled really well. And I would not have guessed that it would be uh, if I knew that, that, that that's what this season would be discussing. A lot. Well, same thing with the Cheryl Tony stuff to jump over yeah. to the Black Athena yeah, Book yeah. Club, which that like that was giving me knots in my stomach that whole plot line in terms of tony clearly being very hesitant and i think rightly so given we've watched what cheryl does over the course of seven seasons at this point to be like maybe you shouldn't come to this book club she bulldozes things you know she just kind of like yeah and to have this outcome where cheryl and it still feels consistent with cheryl 
like understands the book, loves the book, gets called out on it and be like, this is the first book by a black author you've read, right? And her yeah. then to not be like, whatever, you know, quippy nickname, I'm out of here. But instead be like, yeah, you're right. And then eventually at the end, tell Tony, this is your thing. Uh, I'd love yeah. to come there for the readings. I really appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> but this is not for me. I thought it was a phenomenal outcome and like legitimately a great model for a relationship for the younger viewers watching the show, which I was very surprised about. Well, and even though it's set in the 50s, I feel like their relationship in this episode is so modern. It's so like, you know what? We we are two separate people, but we're coming together because we care for each other, maybe love each other. And we're going to like figure it out together. It, the maturity, the mature Cheryl that we're getting, like not a lot of shows get the chance to take their character, their sort of agitator character, and literally change her, rewrite her in a way where she becomes sort of a better version of herself, a version that is ready to love and be in love with someone, uh, with their, their partner. Also, they're not just kind of like... I, I like that we're seeing moments, you know, Zelman talked earlier about like spending time with these characters, the moment after the meeting where, you know, Cheryl and Tony talked was really nice. Uh, it was great to see them kind of talk about what they were going through while the meeting was going on, because we were all like, how is this going to go, you know, so the fact that they got to kind of talk about it too was, was nice. And, and I like that she she sees she said she saw her family in the Daltons when they were talking about Native Son, and like that that level of sort of being like, yeah, this is a problem I identify in myself. That level of openness, it's something that, like you said, Alex Cheryl has always pulled back from and hasn't been able to confront and just waves away by being uh, sort of flip about it. But she confronts it spot on. Is it was great. Well, and I think. This is something that we already talked about earlier in this episode, but I think what this season is allowing to do, and this is why really this episode in particular is one that got me very excited for the direction that they're heading in, is they are allowing these characters to grow. These characters yeah. have been in stasis for a very long time, and I think that's part and parcel with them coming to the comics. That's what they're like in decades. Uh, for decades, I think that's kind of the point, but like they've been stuck in their issues and they're literally we're watching them they're again not different characters we are watching them work through these issues and become better fuller people i think that goes over to everything that we've been talking about with betty's plot line as well is that betty whether you like it or not has always dealt with the darkness inside her which is wrapped up in sexuality and all of these other things that are going on in her life that are horrible um and they keep hitting that plot line over and over and this version of betty is dealing with this and grappling with this and trying to understand this in a much healthier and mental forward way uh, something that i was very aware about just to jump back to the cheryl and tony thing is i was trying to feel out like you said justin that it feels very modern i I agree with you. And I think they modulated, though, on the side of this is not people in the 2020s doing this. This is people in the 1950s, but having a bit of the awareness of the 2020s. And maybe that's something they're playing with. Like, nobody's like, I am an ally and stands up and use that. Yeah. Or anything like, <laughs> yeah. that. like, it still feels like it's up to time. But yeah. I, I don't know. Again, I'm sorry, Pete, to get into speculation, but I do wonder if that's going to be the overall lesson of the season as we're going to learn is they are going to get back to the time period, but to be able to retain this emotional growth that they've gone through to be better, stronger, happier people. Yeah, I bet the memories fade 
but the core changes uh, persist into the, if we're saying like maybe the last episode they're transported to the their modern time. I think that could be a good way to sort of do all of this at once and have it mean, be meaningful. Yeah. Uh, yes, well, I, I want to talk a couple more things about the Tabitha Jughead story. Um, I love the sort of law and order style clue following that happens here where it's like Jughead talking to Fieldstone. You know anything about Rayberry? Nope, nothing at all. Except he sent his money to a small town in South Carolina. I was like, <laughs> and he kept being like, dead, you say? Huh? huh. Imagine yeah. I was like, this is a guy. You writers. Yeah. Dead. You writers. I, I love dead. that. My fondest hope is to be remembered in a bemused matter by a comic book editor who barely cares after I die. Yeah. Wow. That's Beautiful. a low bar. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's a low hey, bar. But it you have bar. children. Yeah. And that's what you want. I mean, that's you don't what want I want. That's what I want. I want somebody like, oh. to be, be like, huh, that guy. Well, anyway, back to business. Wow. Why did I become a comic book editor? Because my dad wanted to be dismissed by, <laughs> <laughs> by me after he died. But you're his son. Nope. He wanted a comic book editor. A yeah. uh, couple other things on the Jughead tab of the stuff. I love that he was murdered. Suicide people don't use the mail. I was like, okay, well, that is technically a clue because he sent a letter to South Carolina. Um, and then them on the phone where he's like, he's talking to June for the first time. Yeah. We're telling her that her partner is dead. And she's like, who are you? And he's like, my name is Jughead. I know your uh, Well, it's a hard like, call to real. make. It's a, it's a hard call to make. You know, he's nervous, mm -hmm. you know? A hundred percent. But I, I'm saying if he introduced himself with his name, that would have been very odd. Yeah. Uh, what Hi, we, I'm Jughead Jones. we talk about the whole Betty Veronica stuff? We haven't really gotten into that yet. We touched on the Reggie and Archie side of it, but they are trying to pursue their boys and the boys only care about cars. Love Betty and Veronica in this episode. I think they're great. They're super fun together. It's fun seeing their friendship develop in this way. Um, it's good. I'm enjoying it. I, I agree. I thought this was fun. Anyway, I think we got some interesting clues pointing us down to the future. We've got at the beginning of the episode, Archie's saying um, they're having a Marilyn Monroe versus Elizabeth Taylor discussion. And Archie's like, Marilyn all the way, implying Barchie. But when the conversation is had between Take Betty and Veronica, easy. she's like, Paul Newman, who I think is the Archie of those two. But then she's like, you know what? I'd love to screw around with Marlon Brando for a while. I was like, she's going to get with Reggie briefly mm -hmm. before coming home to Archie. I yeah. Now, what do you think? Because clue. Reggie mentions Elizabeth Taylor is hotter, which obviously means Veronica. But Veronica. also Uncle Frank mentions Elizabeth Taylor. So do you think like. What the fuck? <laughs> you guys are really reading into wow. a lot of things here. No, right? no, no. I, yeah. I'm, I'm obviously horribly joking and strike that for the record. But I do, I do think Reggie is saying like whether he, he's opening it or not he's going for veronica archie is definitely going for betty i do think that's what we're heading towards eventually but like you said yeah i do think we're gonna get a little bit of a veggie yeah romance. i think we're gonna get a little detour in there and not, let's not forget frank is obviously interested in barbie <laughs> above all <laughs> uh a couple one can, other thing about you can bank on that is the ship name Yep, exactly. What other thing? Like, they're talking with Frank. Frank always eavesdropping. Frank, what did you get a job? Get to go through something. He's hey, always hey, just like listening on, to Archie. But he's like, his job, his job is looking crazy in the morning, Justin. Come on. <laughs> That's right. And he's killing it. Yeah. He is crazy. He's the CEO of looking insane. I'll give him that. 
But he talks about how Frank and Fred shared a car. And I was like, when they were kids, and this is the 50s, I think he means a horse. <laughs> no, they had a car. Easy guy. How old is Frank? How old is Frank in this? Frank 40? is probably 26. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. It's a hard now, 26 back then, dude. Yeah. Even that, if, if Frank is 26, which is a stretch, that puts him in, what, 1920, uh, late 20s? That's not, 1929? Uh, okay. Let me once again uh, explain how subtraction works, just real quick. No, I just did it, 1929. Get out of my life. I know how it works. <laughs> 1929, what cars are driving around? He's got a Model T that they're like, hey, let's share yep. this first car in the world. Maybe. Still Maybe. counts. I don't know. Anything could happen. No, I did like Frank talking to Archie and being like, yo, dude, have some perspective on life. Think about what, uh, you know, Reggie's going through here, you know, and I thought that was really I liked the Archie Reggie kind of arc that we got here and Archie kind of uh, uh, doing some growing as a person. I thought it was some where they got to eventually before they saw that their car was abandoned was very sweet and fun. That kind of. Now, do you, let me ask you, did you, were you guys car guys, car people? Like the implication here that these two guys can think of nothing but cars is insane to me. I have, the, even the, the girls, the Betty and Veronica, when they pull up, they're like, ooh, look at that car. I, I have think more pictures like, of my car on my phone than anyone in my family. <laughs> are you, what are you talking about, dude? So when first you get time up, you saw yourself represented on screen, right, Pete? Yeah, I mean, yeah. the... Uh, your first car is a huge deal if you what did you have lucky enough to get one i had this beat up oh man it was great 85 buick century two-toned gray the thing was a boat uh it was wow. glorious man what a great and you that your person that's how i would describe your personality <laughs> that makes a lot of sense um, i, I, I think a, the idea of this plot line is they're a little more oh, about so each other and hyping up each other than anything and the car is just no pun intended but like it's just a vehicle to talk about the reggie archie relationship wow. i thought wow. they did I thought it was very fun. No. The whole thing. I'm sorry. The whole scene of Archie waiting up for Reggie and be, doing the that was hysterical. Funny. That, that was funny. hilarious. So funny. Right. And ultimately, yeah, it's them like hyping each other up about these cars. It's being distracted about it. It's them being distracted by each other because they kind of want the same things, which are Betty Veronica. Like. The whole I, I Archie. Say, not, I'm not reducing Betty and Veronica to vehicles, but like they are the cars. Like that is what it is. Like the car, car is woman. That is the thing you're focused on, and they are displacing their wants and needs onto this thing because they can't fight about the thing that they actually want, which is Betty and Veronica. Wow, Whoa. interesting. Take. That's a lot. That's a lot to unpack there. I'd I like sort of to... agree with you. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I, I just going to say I'd like to go back to the uh, uh, what. Justin had for her first car here. I had a very beat up uh, Ford F one fifty truck, white wow. with a red tailgate. Uh, had two ga two gas tanks, so I felt like my own sort of uh, <laughs> like I had my own pop cave to going home to when I switched from gas tank A to gas tank B. Wow, man! That's and a... Alex, you had a horse, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was born in quick subtraction here, nineteen twenty eighteen hundreds. Oh, eighteen hundreds. Yes. Pre-Model T days. I actually shared it three-way with Frank and uh, Fred. <laughs> First guy. I have a couple of follow-up questions on the, your choice of words there. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, now, do you think Frank that... with the lack of genitals? <laughs> yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Theory coming true. When Betty mentions taking the bus, do you think that turned Archie on more because a bus is a larger car? <laughs> No, I mean, he what was is this deal with walking? That's my no, question here. He was like, it, it seemed to me, from an outside perspective, of someone that's uh, oh, you're not in, excited He's got a car and he wants to take Betty out on a date, and then he's thinking about like, oh man, this is going to be our first date. I don't, I feel le- you know it. In my mind, it would have been cooler if we could take my car. Of and course. he was just hurt that he was like, walking? That's the I will opposite say, of my car. In order of things, bus is the least sexy, yeah. then walking, and car is the most sexy. So, like, he made the right choice. But maybe he should trick out a pair of shoes, get an old pair of shoes, and fix them up. Two little jalopies on his feet. One thing I do want to mention just positively about the cars is, or more about the episode is we got a bunch of great driving shots like the overhead shot of the river them driving on the road doing all that stuff it's clearly vancouver and that's fine but it looked really nice and it was nice to see that stuff in the middle of we've been on a lot of sets and not a lot of naturalistic backgrounds so it looked very good i agree i definitely wanted to highlight this as well the driving shots looked great they actually shot them a lot of times in tv uh, you fake a driving shot because it's a pain to shoot because you got to put the cameras on like mount them on the car or do what's called car to car which is you have to close the road for that where you have the car on the camera on a separate car that you're shooting alongside and then you have the actors driving which is uh, also not great because you never know if they're actually good at it (laughs) uh so anyway it looked amazing and they really did it it was very cool. And it was great because of the drone shots. We saw the river and mm-hmm. we saw the dale. It finally made sense. Okay. Okay. I'm putting it together. One other car thing that I thought was very funny. And by the way, I was right there with the, but there were fans for months. Uh, Vanessa Morgan and Madeline Petch had put up pictures of them in the car from this episode. And people are like, oh my God, it's going to be a shoddy car date. They're going to make out of the car. This is going to be great. Here we go. Hyping it up for months. And I was like, oh, okay, that sounds good. I'm excited for that. And then the fact that it was actually the two of them with Midge in the back and then also Betty and Veronica get in the car was very funny to me. I was like, very wow, funny. that was the way off. The real conversation starter in that was the giant flask that was partying, man. She was I like, "Up in more of the merrier." I was you like, "You've a whole bottle of whiskey in that." I was flash like, "I don't know if Tony's going to make it to the venue, guys." I was surprised we didn't get to see Fangs's concert. I wonder. I was looking forward to like a classic. Everybody goes to the same event episode, and they kept being mm-hmm. like, "Can't wait to go to that concert. That's going to be a wild time. It's going to get really out of control. You really shouldn't be there, Midge." And then they're like, "Well, that went well." Yeah, I know. Yeah. I was really like, they built that up, and I was like, "Oh man, now everybody's going." I think I'm really worried about what's going to happen there. Mm-hmm. But. I, I I didn't mind it because I liked the way they shot the aftermath of uh, Fangs walking down the hallway, like yeah. getting autographs, hook, carrying his but, guitar but for some strange reason. Keep an eye on Midge because that's where his heart is. You know what I mean? That's what I'm talking it about. Beautiful. But, it was beautiful. I, I thought. It was, why didn't we get a Greendale? Why was the concert in Centerville? I thought it was the introduction to a new town, which I thought was sort of strange. I think that's all right. They were just maybe it makes sense place. as we go. It's all right. I'm just saying I thought it's it was... It's just far uh, away. It's a place they have to drive versus walk across the river, I guess, to Greendale or whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, you got it all mapped out, I guess, over I here? I do. It's uh, all up here. 
cartography. I, I, I before we move on from the car stuff, I just wanted to say the the car was really awesome, and it was great to see it finally out on the road doing its thing. So it was a lot of build like, up for that, and it really <laughs> paid off. I like that you take a little moment to actually talk directly to the car. I feel like you just did there. You're like, hey, I just want to take a second to say, uh, I love you, I, I love you, and I, I miss you, and it's great to see you being driven by my friends, Archie and Reggie. And just to be clear, and that's it, your inside perspective. Previously, it was the outside perspective. This that's is, right, yeah. You never see Pete get as intimate as when he's talking about any car on any show that we talk about. <laughs> What else should we talk about? What other moments from the episode do you want to call out in particular? Uh, we should talk about the end in a sec, but I want to talk about Archie performatively shaving. When I was like, this kid, <laughs> he has no hair. Yeah. He's supposed he was to be, like, what, 16 at this point? Anyone that shaves at school is trying to prove that he went through puberty before everybody else. <laughs> and Archie's there being like, has a full can of shaving cream. And he's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, well, should we take the car? And then they have the most passionate line reading of a Mikasa, a Tukasa, than any ship has ever had on the show. So, two of them. That was so adorable, that moment. That was them basically screaming, I love you to each other. It mm -hmm. was very cute. Yeah. Uh, it's just the language that we always highlight. They'll never jive with us getting circled. Fang said to Midge, implying married. I thought it was great. Uh, Betty and Veronica calling the boys unlicked cubs is really funny. Uh, sorry for miscounting the Trumps. Great uh, uh, card terminology. Just fun stuff all, all across the board. Uh, yeah, The while we're talking about a dialogue, what's your tale, Nightingale? Um, I dig that plan. There was some great, um, just absolutely fun lines in there for sure great episode why don't we wrap it up here and talk about mvps hold on i want to talk about the Ooh. end of the episode oh as right well, the, MV, the end of the episode yeah uh where we actually it's like you said earlier alex like we don't get a lot of forward movement on the mystery until this last scene which i thought was one of the best like little detective bits they did here with a woman coming to ask about rayberry the cat heard the rattling of the milk uh the bottles and the cat is the key cat will remember that sound she and jughead then is putting together like the milkman showed up and there's no milk so there's something going on here we get to see this milkman again who we saw a brief flash of before he's a kid which i think is a little bit of a twist most of the villains is he a kid series he, he seems he's like it's just creepy your, looking i well, think your brain a, has been broken by the fact that we have late to mid to late 20s people playing yeah. teenagers at this yeah point. I, well, but I, I don't mean a kid i don't mean a child i mean he's not most of the villains 10. are most of the villains are old people in mm -hmm. Riverdale or like parents. And this person doesn't seems more like in the chick level of age, okay. uh, taking the actors ages sure. out of it. Okay. And so um, and he looks like, like I remember it is the 1950s. Chickens? So he's probably six or seven years old. He's yeah. like a chickadee. Is that uh, what you're saying? Pete, you are no. forgetting Chick, the true hero. True of hero Riverdale. of Riverdale. Oh, yeah. don't. We were, we've been away from that bullshit for so long. We're never going back. I know you didn't well, want to talk about speculation, but I am, finger. all of my fingers are crossed. The Chick come back towards the end of the season is like, guys, I got to take you back to the future. I'm going to save this. Chick. I think he's going to do it. I think it's going to be that Chick. That would be Chick steps out of a time machine. back to the future. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, a DeLorean. I'll give you a dollar. It's about your children. <laughs> <laughs> And in this case, you are technically the children of yeah, the, you're the future. Children. You're children now, and that's a, you're still uh, children. 
But it, it struck me that it was someone who is maybe a contemporary of uh Sorry, of I was just thinking about if the last episode they do jump to the future and still think they're 16. That would be pretty funny. Yeah. Why That's do a- I have why do I have all this student loan debt? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Telling me I own a casino? The uh he looks a little bit like Howdy Doody. He looks a little yeah. bit unsettling, the milkman. Right. Creepy. Uh, but I, I thought it was interesting because he did seem younger than I expected. Um, that maybe this was because we saw into... an old milkman. That's why maybe that's messing. With no, no, no. We've only seen this what Justin they... is calling younger milkman. There no, there is... is an older milkman there who is actual older. milkman, an not actual a murderer. Milkman. This guy yeah. just seems to carry milk. Does, is he delivering it? Clearly not. There's no milk in the refrigerator. Well, the and I guess man, after you kill somebody, maybe you don't need to deliver the milk. I'm not sure how that. Yeah, works. don't waste the milk in a dead person's fridge. He's a resourceful that old, milk. That well, old chestnut. And I think milkmen like are like dinosaurs, where they just slowly died out and were became extinct. You can actually dig up milkman bones, uh, and because <laughs> they're the strongest, we, they're stronger what, than regular bones, so they're still yeah, around. Exactly. They have all the milk they drink. <laughs> and that's where you actually get milk from. Like, is they distill the milk from the milkman bones? Yeah, you see ancient bottles still full of milk there. But what I was trying to say is, um, my speculation is, yeah, I've been talking about how I feel like this season is maybe maximally about youth revolt, and eventually all the kids are going to throw off the shackles of their parents, the repression of the era and whatever. And I think maybe the milkman is doing that by murdering people. So I think maybe thematically that will come together with the underlying um, theme of the season that I'm that I'm implying. So... The milkman is starting a rebellion by killing people. Is that what you're saying? I think the milkman is like killed Ethel's parents, right, and then killed um, uh, Brad Rayberry. Mm-hmm. And I so I think those are two targets of like older people who, who maybe uh, what he, he was targeting because they are seen as a way of getting revenge for some sort of uh, repression or something like that. So I think it, it may thematically link up, even though uh, the murderer is obviously taking it to a bad extreme. Okay. I guess we'll see. Why don't we wrap it up? I here, did. Though? I did oh. want to just talk about how the the comics uh, uh, moment was funny when Jughead was like, "I'll take all the proceeds from the comics and we'll donate it to your family." I was like, "Oh, oh man, I don't know how much comics are going to make, man." But that's it's a nice thought. It's a nice thought. Comics are very popular in those days. Sure. Yeah. But no, I don't know how many people would talk about comic book money. Like, you know what I, like, you know what I mean? The print runs were much smaller. So that's why comics from that era now are so rare. Yes. Also, people and threw also, them away. You need to remember that Jughead is 16 years old and doesn't understand money. So there you go. That might play into it. Let's talk about the MVP. Pete, who is your MVP for this episode? Who? it's hard. It's hard to pick. I'm going to have to go... Uh, Tabitha, I thought she was amazing in this episode and, uh, it was just, uh, some real heartfelt moments got me in the feels. Uh, so it's, uh, yeah. Wow. Justin. Nice. Great stuff. Uh, I, I'm going to go with, uh, uh, Tony in this episode. I really mm. liked the way that, um, she sort of handled, uh, the relationship and sort of her chasing her own ends and, uh, just strong, strong looks and giant flasks. That's what oh, I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. You got, I mean, the giant flasks. 
Two great choices. I, oh, this is tough. I think I'm going to go for Cheryl, I guess, in this huh. episode. In that case, um, I no thought. No surprise there from Mr. <laughs> Zalbin. Well, no, I thought Tabitha was fantastic. I was going to pick Tony until you picked her. But I do think, like I was talking about, the way that Cheryl approached I was going to pick Reggie. Uh, Reggie is also very good. Uh, everybody's very good. I love everybody. But Cheryl was the one that gave me the most angst and the most nervousness. Like, that's mm. the thing that I felt the most into here. And I'm really glad how things turned out. I'm really glad about the growth for the character and excited to see where it goes next. And for all of you, if you'd like to support this podcast and all the podcasts, we do patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Facebook and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Riverdale. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Riverdale Dark on Twitter, Riverdale After on Instagram, Riverdale After Dark on Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you after dark. Do you think there's a different skim milkman? Whose milk's like lighter? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's, he's a little bit skinnier. A little bit skinnier. It's all point of the ice. And, and the much younger. And he's he's like two years lighter. Old. Yeah. Yeah. Two years, by the way, is if you subtract two from six. Uh, please, what's this please math teacher flex you've been doing? I'm revolting against you. Oh